Hello world, welcome to another episode of the Deep Dive with Eyal Shai. My guest today is Rob Hardy. Hi Rob. What's up Eyal? How you doing homie? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for coming. Uh, and let's dive straight into it. What is an idea that's been helping you live well? Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go with Aikido just because it's so new and fresh and top of mind for me, but it also feels like something I've known for a long time. Um, so I, I'm going to let me back up. So I, Aikido is a Japanese martial art that is rooted in creating harmony in the world. It's about basically like in a physical sense, it's about blending with the energy of whoever's attacking you, but then protecting them. Like it's, it's not about doing as much damage to anybody. It's about like reconciling tension and bringing people together, creating harmony between you and your attacker. And ultimately like there's this spiritual element of it's, it's about creating harmony in the world, like bringing together humanity and making them one family. Um, and I've been practicing this. Like I, I just found a, a local, a local dojo here in Tucson and I've only been practicing for like two and a half weeks now, but it feels like a missing puzzle piece in my life. That's bringing together so much of what I want to be doing in the world. Like it's, it's sort of an embodied practice. Like it is very physical. You're on a mat getting thrown around and rolling around, but it's also like deeply embodied in terms of like really helping you tune in to yourself, the energy that's in your body, because so much of it is about like key or chi, like this sort of like Eastern conception of, of like the energy that permeates everything in the universe and you can feel into it. And it's also, I don't know, it's also social. It gets me out of my house and off of Twitter, which God knows I need that. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's just like, it's bringing together so many of these things that I want to do. And then, you know, it's like an embodied philosophy. Like I'm all about sort of like non-coercion and non-resistance and really trying to embody kinder, more compassionate ways of being in the world. And like this, this one thing that I have found is just, is just bringing all of that together in a way that is, that is very alive and very cool for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we've talked before about how we are both people who kind of tend to approach things. We're heady, basically, and <laughs> cerebral thinkers about things and how this is exactly the thing that we need is these things about embodiment, you know, and starting this podcast, I thought, oh, this is a philosophy podcast. Well, I'm going to make it less analytical than philosophy as it is in uh, university departments or something. But I had not gone on to venture into thinking about, uh, oh, an, an idea like Aikido would be something that comes up and I have something to say about, right? Even though my wife kind of pushes me towards a life that is more embodied and she does a great job at that. Um, but lately I've had conversations with you, with Johnny Miller and other people who are talking more about the body. And I'm like, of course, of course, I should have thought about it. And I'm so happy that this is kind of an unexpected thing that's happening because yes, the philosophy completely is not uh, separate from uh, what we do with our body and how we move about in the world and mm. what kind of posture we have. And of course, you know, if you go back to the Greek and you look at philosophy, well, uh, 
and education for a good Athenian youth would include gymnastics as well and wrestling and so on. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a very welcome kind of unexpected uh, value that they got in this podcast. Um, yeah, so I'd like to hear from you um, maybe if this comes as a response to a certain um, mindset or lifestyle that you have experienced before, uh, what is the origin story of you looking for something like that? That What, uh, what does it provide a contra to? I mean, I think it sounds like we're probably pretty similar. I don't have a formal philosophy background and or even a even really a background in academia or anything like that but i think there's i think there's something that's just like baked into western culture western institutions in terms of like how we're raised as kids and how we're taught to to navigate the world that that puts us in our heads and sort of like fills us with the belief that what is in our head is actually what matters most, that that's what makes us a good person, that that's what's going to get us love and and acceptance and value and status from the world around us based on what we're thinking and what we say, but not necessarily like how we show up, how we're embodied. Um, so let's see, origin story. I'm trying to think about like how this, because like my, my big thing is like I spent most of my 20s completely disembodied and in my head and I was fucking miserable for the vast majority of it. Um, and what I, I don't know, most of what I was filling my head with at the time was was. I don't know what you might call self-help stuff, personal development stuff, a ton of business like business, marketing, entrepreneurship getting into the realms of like pop psychology, you know, like there's this whole sort of like genre of, of like books and courses and materials that are ostensibly about, you know, like understanding how people work and getting what you want in the world through, through sheer force success of will. porn, success, success porn is the name of the hustle. genre. <laughs> That's the genre. That's what brings it all together. Um, and I don't I don't really know how how else to say it other than than the more the more I was miserable the more I was sort of like addicted to that stuff and there was sort of like this this negative downward spiral or I guess all downward spirals are negative but um there is uh I don't know like I I think for me so I'll I'll mention my first business which was about filmmaking because I I went to film school back in the day, like that was like the first kind of arty creative thing that I fell in love with. And there's a whole other story about like how I progressed through that world and ended up running this little online business aimed at filmmakers. But over the years, I, I, I kind of fell out of love with filmmaking in my body. It's something that I intuitively knew, but in my head, I thought I should be aspiring to still be a filmmaker. I thought I should be serving the filmmaking community. I had put in a bunch of work. So there was like this, this sense that like my income and livelihood depended on serving filmmakers. Therefore I should want to keep doing it. Even though there was something in me and I have no idea what that something is exactly, or like how to, how to articulate it. But there was a part of me that knew that this wasn't the right thing for me. 
that I no longer felt a sense of I like belonging in the film community, that I didn't want to spend my life there. But because of this sort of head body split um, and giving, you know, giving credence, like, I don't know, only valuing what was in my head, I just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing and making myself more and more and more miserable. And the wake up call for me was the pandemic and the lockdowns. Um, cause it was just like this giant pattern interrupted my life. And yeah, there was like two or three months there where I was just like so frazzled and, and anxious that I didn't really have like the energy to actually work on things. I couldn't go out and do anything. So it kind of just forced me to introspect a little bit and spend some quality time with myself, which was terrible. <laughs> and <laughs> I just came face to face with the fact that I, I could not keep ignoring whatever that part of myself was that knew that I wasn't a filmmaker anymore. Like it was just clear as day that I had to, I had to admit to myself and everybody else that I was no longer a filmmaker, that I didn't want to serve the filmmaking community anymore. And that I wanted to chart off in like new uncertain directions. And that in large part is what sort of led me to certain corners of Twitter and into more like emotional and embodied work, um, into the realm mm -hmm. of non-coercion. Like it's all, it's all sort of sprang from those first few months of the pandemic where I was like, Oh fuck no, I cannot keep, I cannot keep like forcing myself to be on this path because it will lead me to a really, really miserable life. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, in that sense, we hear more and more stories that, listening to them, it turns out that the pandemic wasn't ju just a bad thing. It was a bad thing for a lot of people, but I mean, for me too, it kind of made me go in very different directions in a very different trajectory than the one I was on. Um, so I want to ask you if Aikido is about um, body contact, it's about facing someone or something um, and, and having to deal with it. Uh, this this pre-pandemic time and having your first business, what kind of um, physical conflict would you liken it to? So if it's not Aikido, what is it? Mm. A street fight, so wrestling, what is it? <laughs> it's such a good question. Oh, yeah. So I don't I guess I don't know that much about like the the fighting and martial arts world enough to like really make this a clear analogy. But from a from a marketing perspective, like I was really in like the direct direct response land, um, which I don't know if you're familiar with like direct response marketing. It's really about like no. pushing people to make a like it's, I don't know, it's about like measuring sales, measuring sales success and creating mm -hmm. messages and being able to say like, yes, this is a thing that drove a sale right now. Whereas like brand marketing is like, we're going to put up a billboard and hope that that increases our brand awareness downstream. And I don't know, there's a whole thing there. But so I was, I was really into this, this school of marketing that was about it was about making the sale right now. So it's like really like hyperbolic copywriting and really leaning into telling like emotional stories and studying the psychology of like what gets people to make buying decisions and how to how to manipulate their emotional state so that you can get them into a place where they make the decision you want them to make right now. Um, so th there's something like really kind of shysty and manipulative and authoritarian about it. Um, it's about exercising control over people, people's psyche, their emotional state. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I, I, I don't know exactly like what the, we'll say, I don't know. It, there's something maybe like street fighting about it. I don't know that much about street fighting, but like, I don't know that there's, there's uh like, it really sounds is like bullying, <laughs> just good, yeah. old, good old bullying. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing is like, there's, there's ways to, there's ways to dress up sort of like direct response marketing and make it seem very very kind and very empathetic, but like mm. at its core. And like, that was always me, right? Like I was never one of the super, like super aggressive marketers who had like, you know, like the yellow highlighter and like really, really hypey stuff. Um, like using countdown timers and all the dumb bullshit you see online. Um, but at, like at the core, it was still that same thing and rooted in sort of like authoritarian, I'm going to control you type ways of being. Um, so yeah, that's a that was totally a non-answer to your question, but it's where my mind went. No, no, I, I, I think, I think that's that's it. I mean, basically, yeah, this uh, vying for control and uh, getting, getting it, getting things your way, and really a lot of um, individualism there, right? And putting yourself mm -hmm. at the top in competition. Competition would be a, a yeah. A, a term that that really applies there um yeah it's it's interesting like i know that you've been going through this shift into uh non-coercion and and that like how how did that come across and was, was that the actual finding that you made once you looked at why you didn't want to be in the old business anymore or is that uh having to do more with the passion of the specific art of filmmaking I think it was more about the, yeah, it was more about, it was more about filmmaking at the time. And mm. then non-coercion is something that came later. Um, cause the, like my, my, so my last business is called filmmaker freedom. And a lot of it was about bringing these traditional marketing tools, like direct response tools, online marketing tools, like, like tools for like niching down and creating a sense of control, right? So much of traditional marketing is rooted in giving yourself the perception that you're in as much control as you can possibly have, that you have as much certainty as you can possibly have. Um, so my, my initial jump with the pandemic was, was jumping from doing that for the indie filmmaking community to like a broader community of creative people, creators, you know, like artists, YouTubers, podcasters, writers. Like I, I really was set on using that same set of tools but just like bringing them to to new audiences that I felt more in, in alignment with myself, just because I didn't really resonate or vibe with filmmakers anymore. The non-coercion bit came in early 2021 when I, I hired Michael Ashcroft, who I don't know if you've met him or talked to him yet, but he should sure as hell be yet, on this podcast. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he would be a, an amazing guest. Um, so I hired him as a, as a coach. Cause you know, I had stumbled into this corner of Twitter where he operates, where you and I now operate. And it's a, a wonderful place full of very intriguing people. Um, and when I hired him as a coach, like none of his business stuff was in mind for me at the time. I was really struggling with, with food more than anything else, because for, I don't know, 
the better part of a decade and a half, like the way that I would run away from, from things that I didn't want to feel, the way that I would emotionally soothe myself was through food and overeating and binging. And um, it was basically this, this pattern where I would try to exert a ton of control over myself um, through, through like sheer force of will by like, you know, like white fisting and disciplining it. Like this time I'm finally going to be successful with my very, very rigid prescriptive diet that I learned about from some fucking guy on, on the internet. Who's who, I don't know, is like this time it's going to be keto or paleo or like whatever the flavor of the month thing is. Right. Um, <laughs> and I had, been through that pattern basically all through my 20s where like I would basically like have a shitty day fall off the wagon start like eating things in copious quantities and then that would spiral my physiology out to the point where I would just be like sitting on the couch watching TV eating things for days or weeks on end because it is kind of a downward spiral and then I would have that realization of like I need to get my act together and so then I would construct like the perfect plan of like, here's the diet, here's the exercise, here's how I'm going to finally like keep myself accountable. And then I would spiral my way back up for like two or three weeks. But there would be like a perfectionism and a rigidity to that. Whereas like if I slipped up on my perfect plan, I would just like beat the shit out of myself and shame myself, mm. which then would almost inevitably lead me to spiral back down. And it was just this constant up and down and up and down the yo-yo dieting type type phenomenon for years and years and years. And so like that was the context I came to Michael with. Um, and Michael has, you know, he's he's in this Ale like his thing is Alexander technique, which I still don't know a ton about, but he also has this sort of like Zen and um, Taoist like Wu Wei philosophy and very much just like this non-coercion um, frame for things. And one of the first things he he asked me was like, what if you just stopped being at war with yourself? Like, what if you just trusted yourself to know what you want to eat? And like, you listen to that. And at first I like, I, I was just like, fuck you. Like, that'll never work. If I, if I am not at war with myself, I'll just be a, a, a slob. I'll just like eat everything in plain sight and I'll never, I'll never get off the couch again. Um, but yeah, like that, that was, that was what sort of like planted the seed initially. Um, and over the last like 18 months, I don't know how long ago this was exactly. I think it was like February of 2021. Um, that idea that you can trust yourself and not be at war with yourself has has sort of spiraled into something that has encompassed like every every facet of my life because I started doing that with food. I started doing that with exercise. I started listening to like, oh, my my body actually is hungry now and I can choose to eat instead of being like locked up in my head and and thinking that like, oh, I, I have to eat like three meals a day and they have to be like such and such and I have to count my calories and I have to like whatever the fuck the thing is. Like it really started tuning me into my body and getting me out of like the war that was raging in my head. Um, 
And then that started trickling into how I think about marketing, but I'm going to leave it there because I'm going to be talking. I've been talking for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, thanks for sharing. It does sound like a, a quite an amazing turnaround for you. So that's great to hear. I think that a lot of our lives, you know, especially in the West, it's uh, there's a sense, of course, the American kind of way to look at things. If you work hard, results will come, right? Which is such a, I guess, 20th century thing to say, like mid 20th century thing to say. If you work hard at your job or something, you will get that promotion, you will get that uh, pension or whatever. And of course, we this doesn't hold water in this day and age. And I think a lot of people are not buying it and we're still not, we don't have any kind of alternative framework to look at it. So I think it, for a lot of us, it makes us look at the seek that control that you were talking about, right? It's like, I want to write a book. I want to start a podcast. I want to do something, open a business. And I, I desperately want to know that this will pay off, right? And pay off and pay the bills. And there you have a lot of um, conflict already, basically, because how hard is work is working hard, right? It's like yeah. you could always try pushing yourself harder, just like really just like any athlete, right? Can push themselves and mm -hmm. you're inevitably going to find that you have pushed yourself too hard at some point and your body will tell you to stop you know it'll make you sick it will make you depressed or whatever um but since you don't have an alternative to the thinking you're very likely to go at it again so i think that's true for almost any addiction or almost any habit that we have a lot of the solutions are just like basically don't do it or do the other thing but to get to the core of our soul you know and to mm -hmm. really change something at that deep level and give an alternative sensible story that shows us a, a different path where fighting isn't part of the of of the way of life that's really hard and it's uh it's particularly hard after so many years that we've been doing the other thing so the other thing is 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 hard but it's it's not as hard as doing a new thing right it's a habit so the, the habits by definition are are just these easy things to um uh, yeah it's just a fallback plan um yeah so it's my story with the pandemic, you know, going going into a direction of doing something creative, it's very interesting because I feel you and I now have a lot in common in our talk about uh, non-coercion and marketing in particular and how to um, grow stuff and move toward a future that is sustainable uh, financially, mentally, in all the way but it's it sounds like had we met in the at the beginning of the pandemic when i was just <laughs> a kind of a wannabe creator and you were still in the old ways of thinking when it comes to marketing we wouldn't have uh <laughs> um yeah vibed at all so it's really cool that we came to this place and for me it was 
from the artist's point of view, I think it's also you want control. You want to do something which is authentic, that flows mm -hmm. naturally out of you and onto the paper, onto the screen, whatever it is you're doing, into the conversation. But you also want this promise that you're going to make it, right? You, because you can't mm -hmm. be there like five years without any income. And that's where you meet the marketer as a, as a new person who comes onto the scene. That's where you see yeah. the first um, the first ads that are pointed at you, telling mm -hmm. you, you know, if you pay me money, which actually is an extra cost, it's an extra cost, right? So let's just mm -hmm. make it clear. You could have lived off that money and made your art for a little bit longer. Uh, but give me that money and I will of course not explicitly make it work for you but wink wink it's like <laughs> this yeah. is this is going to this is going to give you the the soothing that you need to do your thing of course mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know what 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 do you think of that like there's a little bit more to that um but yeah uh, i'm gonna let I, you uh, oh i have i have thoughts i all um so the funny thing is, is like, let's say you were in that position in like early 2020, where you're like that, that sort of newbie creator who's looking for that sense of control and certainty, the promise that things are going to work out. If you had encountered me, I probably would have been the marketer who would be promising you that sense of control and giving it because like, so, okay, let's, let's like play this out a little bit because I do believe there are ways of approaching this this marketing puzzle of being a creator and whatever else where you can maximize your certainty. A lot of it has to do with like this this phrase of like find your niche where if if you can like hyper target some like little subculture or some little corner of the internet and you learn how to like create offers and do some of this direct response stuff you can actually get to a place where, where you're making a, a living relatively quickly. And I, you know, relatively, maybe it's, maybe it's three months, maybe it's six, maybe it's a year, but it's not, but it's not this sort of like longer term process that I'm very much involved in now. Um, but in order to do this, you basically have to become deeply inauthentic you have to like shave off a lot of parts of yourself that you may in fact love so that you can focus super rigidly on something specific. You start telling people what they want to hear. Um, it's where people get into this, this space of like, I'm going to do market research. I'm going to start doing what the data tells me. I'm going to do anything that I know works because my goal is to make a living as quickly as possible. And I would say this is, this is, I don't know, 80, 90, 95% of the people who are creators online are playing some version of this game where they're just trying to do what works, even though there's a part of them, again, coming back to this conversation about embodiment that, that knows it's inauthentic, that knows it's not what they really want to be doing, that knows it's not what, what feels alive and true and good and beautiful. But because they're so in their head and they're bought into this story of, yo, I need to make a living as quickly as possible, they end up constructing for what all intensive purpose or intents and purposes is a prison for themselves. You can build an effective creator business, as it were. And again, this is what my first business was, right? Like I built something that was paying my bills, but that was killing my soul. There was no 
it was no different from like any kind of day job that might have preceded it, right? Mm. And so there's there's truth to the claim when marketers, or at least some marketers, you know, they come into your world and they're like, I can promise you that if you do this, you can get to a place where you're making a living relatively quickly. But if you expand out and look at it through the lens of like, let, how how is this going to make the next year or two or five of your life look? And then you see the existential suffering that following those steps, those those blueprints, those formulas, whatever, and how they make you feel less like yourself. And then you feel like you're you're trapped in some kind of again, some kind of prison. You're you're serving an audience that you don't much like. You're creating content that's just like the same soulless nonsense repeated over and over and over again because that's what people expect from you and because your livelihood depends on it. Um like there's there's something deeply soul-sucking about that that is largely what I experienced in my first business, being out of tune with myself and doing what I thought I should be doing because it would be helping me make a living. Um, so there there is something there, but like the, this has been part of the journey that I've been on, right? Is like I... I no longer make those types of promises in my marketing because I have felt and experienced where that leads when you play it out to its logical conclusion. Like that is why I was so fucking mm -hmm. miserable in my first business is because I was optimizing for certainty instead of aliveness. And now it's the opposite. Like I think aliveness and feeling true and authentic and like those are fluffy words, but like I think there's something real and important there. Like optimizing for aliveness is what leads to a life where you're feeling connected to yourself and others where you're fucking thrilled to be living as opposed to just in this insufferable little prison that you've created for yourself. And I don't, I don't think life is worth living if, if that's, if that's what it's going to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree completely. And I think it's, 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 it's also a vicious cycle because, you know, it's the creators are, it's kind of easy to look at creators or budding creators, the, the kind of creator who looks to make a living and is really freaking out about it as just like this innocent prey or something like that. But in a sense, they have a <laughs> wish that they're coming with and then there are people who are happy to satisfy that wish. You know, yeah. Um, so it's also the wish that we need to think about and talk about, and the wish is to um, basically get rid of the uncomfortable feeling of developing mm. your body of work organically, right? Which is something that's just on a different time scale than a monthly bill. A bill comes mm -hmm. in monthly, but developing a, a, a body of work happens over years you know mm -hmm. um and there's there's a, a discrepancy there that is it's it's a shame that it's there because yeah. if uh because people want and need to make to make the money now to pay the next bill even though they haven't really created anything and so before they even become accomplished creators who have developed their own taste their own um their own vision their own style, they already veer off the path of being a creator and they become yeah. a marketer because, hey, yeah. that's what works. Dude, that's exactly it. So this might be like the biggest thing I've changed my my mind on. 
is like, and there, there are a lot of the, like the marketer creator, like build your business online types who give you the advice to, you know, burn the boats behind you as it were is like, make, make the leap into this world, trust the system fully, and you will be making your living with your art as soon as like relatively quickly. Um, and again, like there, there, there is truth to that, but it's not going to be your art. It's going to be some like watered down mm-hmm. marketer version of what you think your art should be rather than what your soul is actually calling you to do and say, right. but the, the big shift for me. So for me, like one of the things I've observed in my own psychology is that when I am in a place of financial insecurity, like I am fucking worthless as an artist, as a person who is able to like speak their truth and actually put it out into the world and create things from a place of joy and authenticity and to put that out. And I don't know, like there's, there's something there is like, I become disabled for lack of a better way of putting it. Like it it disables my, my connection to myself and my ability to express myself in, in authentic ways. Hmm. So for me, like, I've become just like a, like such a, we'll say proponent of day jobs or like doing whatever the fuck you have to do to make sure you feel financially secure in the world, whether it's having a, like a regular gig, whether it's freelancing, whether it's anything else, but the creative work has to be treated as sacred. You have to create space to let the work be what it needs to be without putting a ton of financial pressure on it, without, without telling that work that it has to pay the bills quickly, because that's the thing, right? Is like, I think there is a longer term game here where you, where you build the body of work, you start connecting with the people who are attracted to that work. You start becoming a member of the communities where that work is cherished and valued. And that's, that's something that takes a year or two or three to really become embedded and for people to really start like valuing the work that feels alive to you. And that is a beautiful foundation from which to build some sort of online business, some sort of like creator thing where you're able to monetize the work that really does feel alive. But if you put that pressure on the work early, you're going to turn it into something that feels dead and soulless. Like I've seen it again and again and again. And I know so many creators who are ostensibly successful and they're like, I'm making six figures for my YouTube channel, but really I'm just dead inside. Um, Mm. like that is the thing that we need to be running from. And I think there's, it's just an acknowledgement that we're playing this longer game. And the thing that makes the long game possible is, is giving the work, the space to be alive and to be sacred and not putting that financial pressure on it. And like, so that's, that's just like the thing that I have, like the, probably the biggest thing that I've changed my mind on, um, is like, just fucking take your time and meet your financial needs like that is it's so important for you to feel safe and secure and okay in the world because that's what gives you the ability to really focus on your body of work and just infuse it with the aliveness yeah wow you all you always say what makes me feel good so thank you thank you for that <laughs> like you're my you're my go-to guy where it's like oh yeah 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 i'm not i'm not crazy i'm not crazy a lot of the times i <laughs> I think I am, and a lot of the times there is self doubt about the way because if you're, um, if you've been kind of going on this plateau for a while and you don't know if mm-hmm. there's any kind of end in sight or a, a way for you to 
to actually make it sustainable long-term financially. Um, yeah, I want to introduce Aikido back in the, in the conversation and think a little bit about how this, um, yeah, you said, you said protect your attacker. So, I mean, if we're going to take it into the, into the field of, of working online, of, of business, um, how, how does the analogy work there? Okay. I have a, I have some thoughts. Like, so when we initially connected a couple weeks ago and like set up recording for this, like we were kind of, kind of like jabbing at some, you know, some of the people online who kind of like sell the dream as it were. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, like, I'll just share one of my examples of, of a program called ship 30 for 30, a guy named Dickie Bush. And there's some other guy who runs it where I have, I have some negative feelings, shall we say. Um, and I don't know, this is, this is going to be a little bit messy, so I'm just going to try to unpack some shit in real time here. Um, there's one sense in which those negative feelings are caused by the way they're showing up in the world, which is selling the dream, selling certainty, selling a step-by-step -step formula, which in fact turns people into cheap generic, I don't know, like basically cheap generic knockoffs of the person teaching the the program. Like that's what so many of these online courses that teach you how to make a living online. That's what they do is just like follow what I did and you will become successful as I am. Like it's that whole cycle. Yep. But by following the the recipe, so to speak, you you become a lookalike of them. Like it, like so much of the creator marketing, creator business space is just this, this industrialized factory that turns people into, I don't know, usually what it leads to is like people like starting with some artistic impulse and then mm -hmm. like some, something that they feel called to express, but then because mm -hmm. they're following the analytics, because they're following the formula, they start like teaching the same thing that their, their, their guru taught right is like right. they start teaching marketing they start playing the meta creator game um or they leave or they leave very early they're like oh, oh yeah. i guess i was wrong i was wrong about myself i could never make it i was just yes. like here are the people who know what it takes to make it and i'm not one of them right so actually it sifts yes. through a large population and then the one who actually go through uh, the sieve and end up doing the stuff is like a, a tiny minority of people who are actually very good at mm -hmm. self-coercion, at other yes. coercion, <laughs> and are probably to some degree unscrupulous. But the mo most yeah. people are just like have their dream crushed because it's not for them to push themselves that hard. It's not for them to sell other people the idea that they were sold um, and so on. Yeah. And like, I don't know, this is the reason that I'm still in the game, like eight or nine years later from initially starting down this path is just because I am um, like hard headed, basically, like I, I know I'm I'm unemployable and I don't want a real job. So I'm just going to fucking stay in this game and figure it out. And I'm going to find a way to do it that feels good to me. Like that has just always been my my disposition um, is <laughs> but. You're you're yeah, my so brother from another mother for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, no doubt. So, so so I have these types of feelings towards people who who sell the dream like that, right? Especially as somebody who has 
has bought into that dream. Like if I if I shared how much fucking money I have spent on like marketing courses and marketing books and build your business using like Facebook ads or like whatever the flavor of the month thing is like um, you like you would think I'm crazy based on just like how much I've spent over the years and how much I really bought into a lot of these types of promises and knowing how miserable they ended up making me um, because all of it was like out of alignment with who I am and how I want to show up in the world. So there is an element of 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 anger there of like coming into these types of ecosystems and seeing people who are selling the dream and and knowing that people are eager, eagerly buying that dream. So that's that's one element, right? Another element is envy because like I'm trying to play the game in this much slower, more non-coercive, more friendly, more long-term way. And I don't make that much money, right? Like I'm it's starting to pick up, like it's a like it's a snowball rolling down the hill, but I know I could be making like 10 or 100 times what I make right now if I played the game a certain way and made certain types of promises and wrote copy in specific ways, right? But there's that part of me, like that very like base instinct that looks at the people who are playing that game and who are like, for all intents and purposes, like succeeding at the financial game and just feeling a little bit resentful of it, feeling a little bit envious of it. So like that's an underlying, that's an underlying ingredient of this like Rob is mad at, at like certain successful people in this space, right? So that's that's kind of like the underlying emotional stew. There's like sort of a, a justified anger of knowing that they're selling a dream that's going to lead people to be like disembodied and out of touch with themselves and and likely becoming their own sort of meta creators in this this pyramid scheme of like creators who teach creators how to create good so they can create courses on how to create more courses for creators who want to create good like that whole fucking thing <laughs> um but then there's this this element of of yeah of just like the darker, more envious side that I'm not really comfortable with, right? It, it even feels scary talking about it. But to bring it back around to this, this Aikido metaphor, because at this point it is kind of an, a metaphor, is I'm in, I am far more interested in, in reconciling the tensions between me and those people than I am making them out to be an enemy of dividing the world into good and bad of like, look at me and how virtuous I am and how I'm practicing marketing. Look at them and how evil and manipulative they are. That is a really compelling story. Like as a marketer, that is a story that I could easily tell. It's emotionally charged. It gets people feeling good. It creates a sense of belonging with my people. And from a marketing standpoint, it's so, 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 so effective. But from a heal the world standpoint, it's fucking poison. It's the same story that, you know, that religions tell, that politicians tell. It's the same story at the core of like the culture war and like why everything feels so divisive and full of hatred. Like it's that same core story that like Manichaean thing in our mind where we want to divide the world between good and evil. But I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I can't play that. I can't play that game and feel good about myself because i i know where that story leads um and i like i see it in myself like i see the desire to divide the world that way and it's something that i have to be really really cognitive cognizant of 
So to bring it back around to Aikido, right? Like this, this embodied practice where it is about blending with the energy of a perceived opponent and protecting them. That's how I like, that's how I, I want to feel about, about like ship 30 now, or like David Perel or some of the other people in this space who really kind of annoy the shit out of me. Like I look at their stuff and I just like roll my eyes, but at the same time, there's, there's good there. Like, I, I don't know, like I have so many friends who've been through rite of passage and they've paid like, I don't know what he's charging like 6,000 fucking dollars or whatever for that thing. Um, yeah. But I have friends who swear that it's been deeply life-changing for them and that it's like one of the best communities they've ever been part of and they learn new skills and it sent them on a new life direction. And like, that's that's incredible. Um, I don't have to agree with the way he markets. I don't have to agree with the sort of like, my name is David Perel and I invented writing on the internet kind of story he tells like i don't know if he realizes that people have been writing on the internet for 30 fucking years like longer than he's been alive um but the man is doing good in the world and he is changing people's lives and i like that's the thing is like i am not going to undermine that i'm not going to say that anybody who is choosing choosing that is wrong um, I can point out ways in which I don't think he's like the way he teaches these things is necessarily correct. Or you can like learn all of this on your own without fucking investing in a $6,000 online course. Um, but I also just invested in like a course like that. So I can't, I can't even like, I'd be super hypocritical there too. So there, there is, there's something here about blending with your attacker and protecting them and seeking to harmonize and seeking to frame these things in a way that we're all playing the same game. We all are going to the same places. And yes, there are meaningful differences in terms of how we approach these things. But more and more, I just I don't want to divide the world between good and evil. I don't want to say, like, I'm virtuous, they're bad. Because I know that any, any way I, 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 I partake in that story, whether it's in marketing and business, whether it's in politics, whether it's in religion whether it's in anything, all that does is perpetuate the evils in the world. And if I don't knock it out in my own, in my own heart and in the way that I show up in my business and in the way that I communicate, then like I'm, I'm just perpetuating the things that ostensibly I want to, I want to stop in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I really like this, uh, this positive outlook on things and yeah, we have to keep in mind as well that as it's it's also a tendency of of ours as, as humans maybe to ascribe kind of evil to people. I do think that a lot of people are just don't happen to have the um, uh, an idea about about harmonization and how to do that. So that's just what they go with, or give people the benefit of the doubt that. You know, they genuinely want to do good in the world and help more people make a living online. Um, that's true. I mean, I, I think people can and do get lost in their personas and they become that guy who, who does it, you know. But yeah, I mean, Rob, Rob, the person who was grinding way too hard and being hard on himself is like, that's them, right? So, mm -hmm. um, the, the people who are the marketers of marketers of future marketers, 
are also very hard with themselves. They they will not mm-hmm. let themselves take the foot off the the gas pedal for a moment. They are the they are the person that you are trying to um and that you are trying to heal from, right? So yeah. in a sense there's no animosity there and it is important that we are able to to change our perspective and and make the shift and we do that by leading by example right mm-hmm. um and i think that's very important to to stick to what you're doing and also knowing like for me personally also knowing that you know down the line i was like should i succeed in a more mainstream way right which i'm very far from doing should i succeed in a more mainstream way it's going to be very compelling to pretend like I can take credit for stuff and be moving on to the place where I teach people how I've done it without taking account like the, the luck that's involved, um, the help from other people for which I can take credit of. And it's, yeah, and, and we need to, to stay. I think, I think that that relates to, to, to not going with the story of of opposition of here of here's an enemy of mine or something like that, because I think it creates the type of energy when I think about if it, if I had it, it would make me down the line, go down the path of then getting to some sort of peak and be like I've shown you all I've shown you and you and you and you didn't believe <laughs> me and you didn't believe me right and it's like yeah. That is pretty bad if if that if that's the kind of emotion that arises in you when you've finally reached some sort of successful place, you'd think there'd be joy, but now if you go down that path, you realize, oh, it's actually anger that I'm letting myself feel now. That's kind of bad. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because like I know people who are who have uh i don't know someone told them they can't do something and like that planted a seed that then i don't know like fueled them for the rest of their lives basically like it becomes it becomes a fuel source that that sort of like resentment that fuck you attitude like yeah like i don't know like my my michael jordan at like four years old or something playing (laughs) with his brother in the driveway and i was like yeah i guess that was enough to like you know, you get to the top and you don't even stop there. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I don't, and I don't know where to go from there. Like, cause I'm, I'm still figuring out all of this for myself, but like, I'm, I think that like the frontier for me right now is like using aliveness as a fuel source. And like, so when I say aliveness, like there's this, it's like this stew of like psychological and emotional and physiological things all happening at once. There's like emotional, it's like sort of like an opening up, like a, like a deep presence to something to like new possibilities. There's a sense of curiosity or wonder of like getting pulled in a specific direction and really wanting to go play there. There's but there's also like a lightness. So it's like, instead of like putting a ton of pressure on yourself, there's like a lightness and like a almost like a don't give a fuck attitude that makes it playful to go explore your curiosity. So it's like this, this stew of things all happening at once. And it can be, 
extremely motivating to like really like tune into yourself to get out of your head and be like, what's alive for me right now? What's alive in creative work? What's alive in, you know, in like fitness? Like what does my body want to do? What What's alive in relationship? Um, and like learning to use that as a fuel source and as a way to intuitively move through the world as opposed to these these rigid stories about who I think I have to be to like prove somebody wrong or like stories about this is the identity that I am constructing for myself. Like I think a lot of that falls back into the same pattern of like being really stuck in your head and locked into very rigid, narrow ways of being, of, you know, like climbing the ladder to success only to realize that it like that ladder was propped up on a building that you never wanted to like be on top of all along. So like that's the that that's the thing that I'm exploring is like can can aliveness and resonance and like really trusting what's what's alive for you in the moment and using that as a tool to navigate the world more and more I believe that 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 leads to creating lives that are are deeply meaningful connecting with people in in really profound ways creating things that nobody else but you could because you're you're following something that you you essentially have no control over. Like it's an act of faith to follow your aliveness. But increasingly, I think it leads to beautiful, magical, connective places that we would never be able to think ourselves into. Um, and yeah, there's something like really profound there that I'm still I'm still in the very early stages of. But it feels kind of like the way. <laughs> no, I, that that is very very beautiful i have to say feel feel uh follow what's what's alive for you because it is the way to go forward and i think if if you follow that you're much more in tune um in relationships because there is no meta game there is no ulterior thing that's happening in the background when you connect with people as well and at the end of the day there is nothing that money can fix and a bunch of good friends can't, and that includes the financial stuff, right? Yeah. Except it turns out, I think that long-term, we need to shake off the feeling that we need to have reserves in case of something happens, because actually all we need is, is connection. If something really bad happens, but we have built the type of relationship with people that's built on trust and there's deep trust and there's deep... Um, yeah, sense of, of reciprocal uh, well-wishing there, then should the thing happen, you're going to have the people who are going to get you out of it. And that is the, that is the kind of thinking that we want to go forward with, is right now everything is good. Should something bad happen, I have trust. Trust uh, that, that things are going to be Okay, because I've invested in in the right thing, you know. If I'm and if I have just money but no support from friends or anything like that, I'm I'm doomed. No matter if I can pay for the best doctors or whatever it is, um, yeah. And also, like, go back to the to the aikido, which, as you say, turns out to be a metaphor, partly because <laughs> partly because we're <laughs> having so much fun with our uh word <laughs> word world um yeah but also maybe because we can't do aikido maybe next time we'll just record ourselves doing aikido and that'll be 
mm. uh, good enough. Uh, but you know, there, there's a it, it is a game, and it is it has uh, a beginning and an ending. And if you've managed to protect your attacker and get to the to the finish line or the whistle that ends the thing. We can also lower the flames when it comes to these concepts of like success, competition, beating, you know, and, and this this reminds me kind of like Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal, which I think mm-hmm. for a lot of people it's strange for them to see how good uh, how good how they be, they've become such good friends and they have so much respect. In, at the end of the day, you know, both me and David Perel or Dickie Bush or anybody were trying to do well and we don't have to celebrate. We don't have to have the sense that our ego is so important that at the end of the day, we need to be actually on top of someone in, in real life. And we can maybe uh, joke and tease and, you know, talk about the game but there's something larger than the game and that's life and there's absolutely no uh reason for us to to actually be competitors there because living well is something that i could do and you can do it it would never be at the expense of one another if anything it would be the synergy of our relationship that's going to propel us forward toward it uh, individually yeah we are brothers from another mother (laughs) uh, yeah this is this is one of the other areas of my life that i'm starting to explore very earnestly and i'm very early in the process is is some some form of spirituality um and most of the yeah most of the definitions of god so far that are resonating with me is not you know big bearded man in the sky not some like abrahamic religion type thing but really really this idea of like divine love that we that we all carry around in us and this distinction between love and fear or love and ego. And there's, there's something there about love being expansive about consuming all things when you really lean into it. Whereas like fear makes us small and bitter. Um, and I like, it's one of those things that I recognize when I feel like I'm in competition with Dickie Bush or whoever is like this this smallness this this idea that they're taking something away from me mm-hmm. and there's there's a there's a choice in terms of like how you how you relate to the moment and actually choosing to step step into love even though it's terrifying even though it's unknown and having faith that that operating from a place in the love and in the world will actually like reconcile and it feels very tied into aikido as well like it's it's having faith that protecting your attacker and choosing to love them even when they're displaying something that you don't that you don't agree with or even that that violates some principle that you have so that choosing to love them will lead to more beautiful things down the line um like it's it's just the disposition that i want to carry through the world in all things and it's fucking hard like it's like it's it's just so conditioned into us to be to be super identified with with our egos and to be in this place of of scarcity and smallness and it's you know it's a constant thing of like coming back to it and learning to be like bring your awareness to it so that you can choose to step back into love in any given moment but yeah dude it's 
that feels like the game and i'm i'm at like level one of that shit like it's really 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 new and hard <laughs> but but again like it feels like showing up and doing it in aikido and like practicing a few times a week in this in this context like it feels like it's helping me embody that and then in fact by embodying that like i can bring it back out into all of these other domains and actually start leading by example in terms of how i'm living in terms of just saying these things because that's the thing that i'm always worried about is am i just like saying all these concepts that sound nice and that make me look really smart or am i or am i living in an integrity with that and actually like being being the change that i want to see for you know the the cheesy way to put it but it's true yeah yeah it's so true and with uh with aikido i love the fact that it's that it's going into a situation where it's the the conflict is so obvious like there is conflict and that's the beginning of the relationship and even though that could the, the, you could not have a worse starting point for a relationship right your aim is still um unwavering in the sense that you are going to make it as harmonious as, as possible like protect your attacker you know go home unscathed and they go home unscathed and you know maybe even if in a, in a better case uh facilitate uh, a talk or something like that because maybe we've now both exhausted our our engine of of anger or fury or something like that or rage and we can sit down and talk um i just saw a, a tweet today someone saying it's like i'm torn between you know wanting to be self-actualized so ostensibly that is very much you that is gaining the status in the world and the recognition that you have actualized all your potential and so on um so being torn between self-actualization and enlightenment in the sense that you know ego death right something like that yeah. and i thought you know this is not at all mutually exclusive and it's <laughs> yeah. not at all mutually exclusive because of the following fact there are emergent properties of things that are made up of smaller things right so any water that you look at in a kettle is made up of of atoms and molecules right and if you zoom in you see a molecule you see an individual molecule you zoom out you see um a seemingly unified body of water right and this is this is us i mean each of us individually our self-actualization is to be able to break down barriers between us and other members of the human race so that we gave so that we give rise to an emergent entity or property of uh, of a of a harmonized society that's also well and doing well right and still that doesn't mean you're not there if you're going to change your perspective and use a microscope you're there and you're doing well and you're wonderful so there's no um you're not nothing you don't have to worry about not feeling like anyone or losing yourself into uh you know and being miserable while you sacrificed everything for this one big thing no actually this big thing depend it depends on you being a as as well as you can be right so yes. um and we need to be able to move between 
between perspectives, between the very small and the very large, um, constantly and realize that they are not only not mutually uh, exclusive, but they're dependent on one another. For the big thing to be well, every small part of it needs to be well. And uh, that's how we want to go forward. Yeah. Oh, I love all of that so much. And I would even say they're the same thing, right? Is like self-actualization and enlightenment. They're they're the exact same fucking thing. It's like becoming yeah, who you yeah, need that, to be. Yeah, to, that's to, what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's uh, it's having yeah. no no uh, barrier. It's it's harnessing all that you can do and all the ways in which you can affect the world. You affect the world in in order to give rise to something bigger than you are but it doesn't mean that you're gone if you're going to look you're going to see yourself and you still have your um you know your personal qualia that nobody no one else has uh so yeah you are both self-actualized and completely coalesced into a a a big thing but there is yeah it's it's like a a win-win right and that's that's the point of 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 justice which is a concept that is very close to my heart and there's an an episode on it um that's how we should live life eventually I'm, i'm not talking about me doing well and you doing well in different terms it's they come about naturally when we're aligned i eventually don't want to talk about us as two different things doing well because actually the we want to be doing well at the same time and we can Hmm. Hmm. i love all of that i'm just kind of like soaking it in just like (laughs) bathing in it it's totally my jam yeah Um, yeah Uh, i'm just enjoying Yeah, same here. I mean, I think we've we've reached a, a, a climax of sword. I'm just trying to think if there should be anything more to to, to say about Aikido at this point. Yeah, you do. If nothing sure. else, like like it's 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 such a new thing to me. So this is like the first time I've actually like I haven't I haven't written really about it yet, and really like tried to articulate the way it fits into the larger picture for me, but. More and more, I'm convinced that like, holy shit, like as a as a way to move through the world, like this is this is the physical practice, the embodied practice that I should be focusing on. And I I like that. I like that word practice more and more um, because I, like as a disembodied thinky person who's just like constantly like thinking about shit, but not actually like putting it into the way I live, like I'm I'm hyper aware of how I can delude myself into thinking I'm living a certain way, but really I'm just like spinning up stories in my head when nothing has changed in my physical reality. Um, so just going to a class like this a few times a week, like it's actually helping me embody these principles that I believe in so deeply and it's helping ingrain them into me in ways that will help me, help me harmonize my world in ways that I otherwise wouldn't if I was just in my head and like writing about it and like talking about it all the time. So I, I'm more intrigued than ever about like this idea of like, how do we, how do we embody our principles and how can we practice them 
in the external world in some way. Like that feels at least like a missing link in my own life and probably for a lot of other sort of like intellectual heady types who like like thinking about shit but don't do much else <laughs> in the world. Like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a trap for sure for me as well. And I can just say that a few of the things that helped me is first of all, like have a have a have a home with a wife and a daughter that I, I love and they're there to demand things from me for which mm -hmm. I'm grateful because it it makes me it makes me do things, right? If I were on my own, yeah. Um <laughs> that's great probably. Um animals, pets. So anything like that, that, that demands in real time, things that in real time demand your attention, I think, I think is good as well as, as well as some habits that, that come into that, like Aikido, like whatever physical thing. And, um, I think, uh, whatever is fun to, to play outside because it is something that we can reconnect to and, um, keep our range of motion and range of thoughts as well uh very much alive i think that comes through creative play so um natural parkour is really fun uh, for mm. people who are out there stuff you can just do on the way home right you're yeah. going you're on your way home um anyway so if you see a bench what else could a bench be good for if you see <laughs> a tree branch you know it begs it begs of you to to hang from it so um, these yeah. these little things, I think, are very important. And getting rid of all of your sofas in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, I feel like one of these days, you're, like we're going to have a call and my sofa is going to be gone. And you'll know that it was all you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for that day. All right, um, Rob. Well, this has been really uh, nothing short of amazing. I enjoyed it so much. Dude, me too, man. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for bringing together all of the, uh, yeah, like weaving Aikido into every facet of my life. Was not expecting that on this call. And, uh, <laughs> it means a lot. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, before we before we go, uh, where could people find your online presence? Um, and if you want to suggest an Aikido dojo for anyone, go for that too. <laughs> uh, well, if you happen to be in, in Tucson, Arizona, I've been going to, I believe it's called Aikido Shubo jo Dojo. Um, if you just like, it's like S-H-O-U-B-A Dojo. Um, pretty dope. Real good vibes at that place. Um, best place to find me is at ungated.media. Um, it's where I talk about business and marketing from this like non-coercive lens and like playing long games and a thousand true fans and not not following in into the traps of like online marketing and like hustle success culture and not building prisons for yourself. Um, that's where I happen to be, but mostly I just spend my day on Twitter. I'm at ungated creative and, uh, trying to spend less time on Twitter and be more of an embodied person in the world. So <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. All right, my friend. Well, this is great. And I'm, I'm really grateful for your, uh, presence and then this kind of, and this kind of uh, thinking that we share for sure so until next time people, 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 people.